There are lots of things we want to do in life. Climb a mountain, write a song, watch our grandchildren grow up. Uh, but guess what? We can't do any of those things if we don't have our health. Welcome to the Nutrition Facts Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger, and I'm here to bring you evidence-based research that takes the mystery out of the best way to live a healthier, longer life. Today we continue our Nutrition Facts one-on-one -on -one series where we share an interview I've done with another nutrition expert. Today's special guest goes simply by the name Ferdinand, and he hosts the V-Gains podcast. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another interview with the legend Dr. Michael Kreger. I'm so happy to have you again here on the show. How are you doing? I'm so glad to be back. I'm sure you heard about CBD oil. It's currently really popular and claims to have incredible health benefits. Could you share your opinion on CBD? Yeah, we got zero data. <laughs> yeah, so when I did my, I did my cannabis uh, series, that was one of the questions I had going into it, is what do we have out there about using CBD specifically? Um, and, um, and, well, I mean, so there's just no data to support these claims. Um, either way. So it could work. We just don't have the science either way. So, okay, we gotta wait. Some people are quitting a plant-based diet because they have conditions like SIBO, where they have trouble digesting all that healthy fiber and just feel bloated all the time. What would you recommend those people should do? Um, they should see my SIBO videos. And, uh, and we say, wait a sec, you don't have any SIBO videos. I say, they're coming. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what did the SIBO video say? I have no idea because that's, uh, I haven't uh, done the research yet, but it's on my list of research topics. Um, and so uh, we will find out what, if anything, we can do for, uh, for the condition. We find out next. Uh, I hope. Well, we hope. Okay. Uh, we should all know by now how important fiber is, but is there such a thing as too much fiber? For example, I'm a heavy muscular guy living an active lifestyle and I eat about 4,000 calories per day. And because I eat a whole food plant-based diet, I get easily plus 100 grams of fiber a day. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> no, in fact, that is what, <laughs> that is what, uh, that's what the human body was meant to eat. So um, the Paleolithic period, you know, I have that uh, video, Paleo Poo, where they took the fossilized feces from uh, early humans and found 106 grams of fiber a day on average. Um, and so, I mean, that's what our physiology, that's what our bodies were meant um, to be eating. And so everybody else just has a lot of catching up to do. You're the ones doing it right. Yeah, many people ask me like, aren't you bloated all the time? And I'm like, no, my digestion is actually great because I'm used to all the fiber now for years. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Is there such a thing as too much fiber? Hardly, right? So, well, I mean, so now some people who've been slathering their guts with milkshakes and cheeseburgers their whole lives, they just don't have the gut flora machinery to process the fiber because they're not eating, they're not fostering the growth of fiber-eating bacteria. These are the good bacteria. So they may have to start slow. So for people that do um, get bloated eating beans, have them start slow, like a, a tablespoon of chickpeas a day, um, and then ramp up, and as your microbiome shifts um, uh, to the you know fiber munching bugs, then not only then you'll 
get all the, not only will the bloating go away because these are the good bugs, but you'll get all the benefits of the byproducts of that fiber, these short chain fatty acids that are absorbed from the gut, circulate throughout our bloodstream, even past the blood brain barrier into our brain, have all sorts of beneficial effects. That's exactly what I experienced when I started. I have I didn't eat really legumes and yeah. um, I got bloated, but then yeah. I ate them consistently and now I can eat mountains of legumes, no yeah. problem. Absolutely. Because my right, gut bacteria no, because now you that. now you have the right bugs in your system, um, and 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 so you have exactly what uh, what we're what we're shooting for, um, and so don't give up. You know, people have, may have to start slow. Keep it up, and you will slowly um, uh, cure your microbiome, um, and uh, and heal it to uh, to perfection. Exactly. You probably heard about the controversy around the nut studies and the critique against you and Dr. Furman. Vetch Source has done multiple videos where he basically tries to show that the science on nut studies is mostly either low quality or industry funded and that the health benefits of nuts are overrated and that you should change your opinion based on his interpretation of that ev evidence. Could you share your opinion about that? Um, so, you know, look, you can look at the Global Burden of Disease Study, for example, the largest study on human risk factors in history funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, they consider one of the number one dietary risk factors for death around the world, inadequate nut and seed consumption. Um, and so that, I mean, they have like 600 scientists from hundreds of institutions around the world. I mean, is, is, uh, are they really uh, are they saying that they're wrong, that they're, I mean, they're, I mean, it's just, this is the scientific consensus. Um, that uh, nuts are one of the healthiest things we can possibly eat. Um, and, you know, yeah, I saw one of, so he did a video, talked about this, um, um, this uh, pulse wave velocity um, that, uh, that someone had watched his video and, 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 and so ate nuts doing this test, um, measuring kind of a, the, uh, a kind of a proxy for, for arterial stiffness and show that, boy, he ate nuts. And all of a sudden, um, you know, we had this change. But, I mean, if he would have read the instruction manual to this, I mean, that's why this is not a study, because you can never get such a study published, because it was just simply done wrong. You eat anything. That's what happens, because basically all your blood, when we eat, um, uh, we, uh, we have the surge of blood into our intestines to actually facilitate the digestive process, and that shift in blood flow changes um, the pulse wave velocity. And so they, they, they say, you know, you can't do postprandial studies. You can't do studies after a meal because they're useless. But he used that um, as like, sea nuts are bad for you. But he could have done the same thing showing potatoes are bad for you or showing kale is bad for you. Showing any, you would eat, eat anything, you would get the same result. So it just shows... I mean, I'm all for people reading the science and, you know, giving their opinion. But when you don't know some, like, basic fundamental facts on how some of this stuff works and you just kind of, you know, accept anything that fits kind of in your worldview, um, I mean, that's the, that's the exact opposite way to do science. You don't look to the science to support your beliefs. You look, to, I mean, you, 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 that's the other, that's the wrong way around, right? You look at the... You form your beliefs based on the evidence, um, yeah, not the reverse. And yeah. so, I mean, the science is very clear mm -hmm. um, about nuts. Um, I encourage people to eat an ounce of nuts um, every day. It's part of my daily dozen. It's a lot of foods that don't make the daily dozen um, uh, checklist, but that one does because one of the few foods actually associated 
with alone with um, uh, longevity. That and dark green leafy vegetables are the two foods that come to mind associated with um, uh, with uh, living a longer, healthier life. I agree, and I'm happy to hear that because I love my nuts. His latest video uh, shows research that too much spinach is bad for you, that it can have a negative impact on kidney function. As a vegan, this was a punch in the gut. Can he elaborate on this and comment if there are any other fruits and veggies we should limit? Oh, so there's three high oxalate greens. So that's spinach, Swiss chard, and beet greens. These are wonderful, healthful foods that I include in my diet. Um, absolutely, because they're fantastic, but you can overdo them. Um, uh, and so if you eat cups of greens a day, which you and everyone else should do, if you're eating cups a day of greens, um, then you really have to diversify your greens um, uh, and uh, choose one of the lower oxalate greens, which is any of them. So, you know, kale. Um, uh, but uh, so if you eat cups a day, as you should, um, just um, choose for those cups other ones, but still continue to enjoy spinach salads, etc. But uh, you can just overdo it. And I talk about the people who are particularly high risk um, for forming these oxalate kidney stones, people who've had uh, a ruined my gastric bypass surgery, people had extended antibiotic use, um, uh, people that uh, drink their greens um, in liquid form, so in smoothies and, and juicing, um, uh, people who take high-dose vitamin C, all these things um, can increase your risk. And so then it's even more important. But even for people that don't fit in any of those categories, you can overdo spinach. Um, look, you can overdo water. I mean, you can actually literally drink yourself to death with water. You can dilute the electrolytes in your brain, drop dead in a coma. Um, uh, our kidneys can only handle um, uh, you know, a certain number of cups of water an hour. If you overdo it, you can literally die. The question um, is, is water bad for you? Of course water's not bad for you. Water is critical, right? So uh, spinach bad for you? Of course spinach is not bad for you. It's wonderful for you, but you can overdo it. Um, and, uh, and so there's a few other things like chaga mushrooms and um, star fruit. Um, it does not take many star fruit to take you over the edge. So, well, yeah, it's a few things just to be concerned about. You know, I mean, I, I, and it's important to underscore foods have powerful effects. People have this idea, yeah, drugs you can OD on. Drugs are powerful chemicals, right? Um, but look, I have these food, I have these videos showing foods can have pharmacological effects. Foods that, you know, treat depression just as good as antibiotics. Uh, foods like hibiscus tea or ground flaxseeds treat high blood pressure just as good as high blood pressure drugs. All these. And so, wait a second. If foods are that powerful, can affect the core, individual foods can affect the course of disease, then it shouldn't come as a surprise that, you know, that you can get too much of a good thing sometimes. Yeah, makes perfectly sense. The only question I have, but can you have too much kale? Is that possible? You cannot have too much kale. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, I mean, you can potentially have too much raw kale, um, uh, but it wouldn't be easy. But, but yeah, you could, there's these, uh, if in the context of iodine deficiency, too much raw kale could impair your thyroid function. But uh, the answer to that is not avoid kale, it's just to make sure yeah. you get enough. And what I did after that video for my smoothie, because I used to add lots of frozen spinach to it, now I add lots of frozen kale to it. And Perfect. Problem Perfect. solved. That's exactly what I wanted people to do with that video, <laughs> is just switch it up. And now this question is for all my kombucha lovers. Please ask if he's reconsidering his negative stance on kombucha, which he hasn't updated for many years as far as I know. 
Yeah, well, I mean, just because there isn't any new science, I'm now... Because uh, I believe the uh, last video was like 2013 or so, and um, yeah. Ha! In the Journal of Primary Healthcare, there's a, uh, an article called Potion or Poison? Kombucha. Um, so, hey, maybe there's something new. Uh, I will definitely add it to my list of, uh, of things to update. <laughs> um, uh, nice. Yeah, I think that's what many people are interested in. Because kombucha right, becomes right, more and more right, trendy. Kombucha. I'll do a kombucha update. All thanks to your fans. Thanks. Got it? Yeah, I love that. Um, I'd like to hear his opinion on the selenium content of Brazil nuts and potential toxicity because Brazil nuts are not really controlled and some just contain a fraction of our daily needs of selenium while other Brazil nuts exceed our daily needs many folds to a dangerous level. So... Would you recommend yeah, so, a supplement? Uh, so, I mean, so uh, it doesn't like build up in the body. So, and so it's not like you know one dose is going to do it. But if you eat Brazilians every day, you don't want to eat more than one or two because then you can run into uh, issues of selenium toxicity. Again, I mean, I mean, uh, Brazil. One of the reasons we love Brazil nuts is because they're just packed with trace minerals. I, I don't know if you ever seen a Brazil nut tree. They're these massive trees with these deep roots. They suck all these trace elements out of the Earth's crust and deposit in the nuts, but they're just a little too good at sucking up selenium <laughs> such that, uh, you know, uh, over a long term, in more than one or two a day, um, uh, you can run into issues. But that doesn't mean, look, you can eat a whole handful a day. If, like, that's the only time you eat Brazil nuts, that's not going to be a problem. Your body can handle that. But if you were doing that every single day, um, uh, that would not be the best thing. Mm, because, and some Brazil nuts, they have very little selenium, apparently, depends where they're grown. Oh, yeah, so, no, so, so yeah, so this is just, all, so all we can do is based on averages, unless they're actually measuring it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but if they're not measuring it, so on average, one or two, uh, um, it's probably the max you want to get to. But you're absolutely right. There may be some that are so low, you could eat tons more. But if you didn't know that, you just kind of kind of go by the averages. Yeah, I hope in the future that producers just uh, label them and measure the content how much the specific, um, specific Brazil nuts contain, that you know yeah. how much you get. Uh, so for now, you would still recommend eat Brazil nuts and yeah, not no, supplements. Yeah, no, and it would be, in their, it would be in, in their best interest because they could be like, you can eat twice as many of mine mm -hmm. as the competitors or something. Yeah. I don't know. But you also wonder, well, wait a second, if it's a low selenium Brazil nut, maybe it's low in some other nutrients that you want out of that Brazil nut too. Or mm. maybe some of the health effects of Brazil nuts are due to the high selenium content, so you actually want that, you know. It's, yeah. uh, it's hard to know. Because in Germany, it's a bigger issue because here the soil is really, really low in selenium and you basically have no ah. chance by just food, whereas Canada and the U United States are quite high in selenium and just whole okay. grains, legumes have quite a bit of selenium. But here in Germany, if you're vegan, you really rely on Brazil nuts. But then if it's like a guess, then um, supplementation might be recommended in some cases. But hopefully producers come out with like, um, yeah, but I mean, does but uh, does Germany grow all their legumes? I mean, I know like Canada is one of the largest legume exporters in the world. Exactly. So like if you in Germany, if you get a bag of you know black beans on the market, was it grown in Germany or? Exactly, that depends. They come from everywhere. That's why I recommend yeah. get some from Canada, for example. Then you have a lot of selenium, quite a bit of selenium in there. And yeah. actually, I don't know if you noticed noticed, but um, Finland they enrich the soil with selenium, and now. Their foods are just 
rich in selenium because they rinsed their soil decades ago. And now like broccoli has a hundredfold amount of selenium and they got their selenium low prices covered by just enriching the soil. So Germany, what are we waiting for? <laughs> ah, interesting. Well, who knows if that, I mean, if there's um, any downsides of that. You always got to worry when you make uh, changes to food supply, but that's uh, very interesting. Boy, you know, I'm looking forward to coming to uh, Germany next May. Yeah, where will you be? Um, I'm definitely speaking in Berlin, not sure where else. That's but, where uh, I am. Doing... Oh, fantastic. So coming to Berlin nice. um, and adding a couple countries I've never been to before, never spoken Switzerland before, never spoken Iceland before. Oh, wow. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to that trip. Hmm. Now about uh, de um, decaffeinated coffee. Has decaffeinated coffee the same effect in terms of nutrient absorption, iron, etc., like normal coffee? Because it. Oh, um, yeah, it should. But uh, yeah, but I mean, coffee doesn't. Coffee isn't as bad as tea in terms of you know blocking iron absorption. So I don't, for example, make the recommendation people shouldn't drink coffee with meals, but I do make the recommendation people should not drink tea with meals. Oh really? Um, and caffeinated or not, it doesn't matter. The decaffeination process doesn't affect the iron absorption. So also with tea, that all kinds of tea. Um... Oh, so only tea, actual tea, not herbal tea, but tea. So it's green, uh, oolong, black, white, all the so tea leaves from the tea plant. Um, and it um, prohibits the absorption of uh, minerals like iron. And coffee not uh, so much. So, so it tea, doesn't, yeah, yeah, no. So tea does, which is actually good. I mean, so I mean, ideally we want low iron stores in the context of sufficiency, in the context of a normal blood count. I mean, that would be the healthiest state. So I actually have videos talking about how you can reduce cancer rates by giving blood, by making blood donations to the Red Cross because it lowers your iron levels. Now, obviously, you don't want to get too low to become anemic, but that's the ideal state to have those low stores. And so for people getting excess iron, having, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, tea with meals may actually be a good thing, um, but, uh, but uh, obviously you don't want to, uh, uh, you don't want your hemoglobin, you don't want your blood, uh, blood concentration to drop. Yeah. Um, okay. And coffee, you, you don't consider as such a prohibitor, so you can enjoy it while eating your meal? So um, it looks like it's about a um, drop uh, obsession of iron absorption. Oh. So no decrease in iron absorption occurred coffee uh, consumed an hour um, before or after a meal. But during a meal, um, uh, yeah, 39% drop in iron absorption um, as compared to 64% decrease with tea. Oh, yeah, wow. so tea is a much more potent inhibitor. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Main health benefit of a blend-based diet because like ethics is crystal clear environment should be clear as well But what are some of the most compelling health benefits to convince someone of a blend-based diet being healthier? Superior than eating uh, well, you know, all you need is one stat. Yes, only diet ever to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients plant-based diet um, uh, um, I mean, that's, that's all you need. I'm trying to see if, now in the States, it's the number one cause of death of both men and women. Let me see what, uh, what's, uh, in Germany. Um, yep, there it is. Number one cause of death in Germany is heart disease. 
Um, and so there's only one diet ever been proven to reverse um, uh, the number one killer of Germans. Boom. And so that should be the default diet to prove it otherwise. And in fact, it can also be so effective in preventing, arresting, or reversing other leading killers like high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes, which seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. Convinced. Where can I sign up? <laughs> exactly. Although, wow, tobacco is still a, uh, is still a leading killer in, yeah, uh, it's, in Germany. It's insane. People smoke here like crazy, especially in that, cities that's like Berlin. Crazy. Ah. What's, what, I, that's crazy. That's crazy to me. Yeah, it's, that's why I love to come to the U.S. because it's so much less smoking. And here in European cities, people smoke like crazy. It's, yeah, I don't know why. But not like, huh. as you used to say, right. like back then, it's not allowed in the movies, in, in many public places, but just in the streets, you see so many people still smoking. Yeah, um, anyway. What is the biggest, most difficult challenge you've noticed while fighting the health misconception battle? Uh, health misconceptions in general? Yeah, while fighting that, all oh, what's the I mean, biggest I mean, challenge? The big thing is people just think that, oh, it's all in your genes, family history, nothing you can do about it. You know, oh, of course I have diabetes. You know, my mom has diabetes, my aunt has diabetes. And they just assume, oh, you know, they're just going to go blind and get on dialysis and have their lower limbs amputated. It's just like, oh, got to kind of, I just got to, was dealt a bad hand. Um, and it's just not true. These are lifestyle diseases. And the only reason you, your mom, and your aunt all have the disease is because you, your mom, and your aunt are all eating and living the same kind of lives, which are producing the type 2 diabetes, and that you can reverse it if you reverse the cause by eating and living healthier. Um, and uh, and we, we can prove this with interventional studies, with migration studies, with also, I mean, it's not genes. Um, uh, some people are more susceptible than others. So, for example, um, you smoke a pack a day. Some people get lung cancer. Some people not get lung cancer smoking the exact same amount of cigarettes. Is that me? I mean, and so because some people have a more, they're more genetically susceptible to get lung cancer. But if they hadn't smoked, they wouldn't have got lung cancer, um, very likely. And so yes, having that genetic susceptibility never manifests if you don't, um, you know, uh, you know, poke yourself with a fork three times a day. Or, uh, you know, uh, or breathe carcinogens into your lungs. Yep. One of the most common arguments against veganism people give is that not all bodies are well suited to veganism. They claim their genetic predispositions to omnivore or some da 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 da. Um, are there any medical literature to suggest people may or may not have predispositions for Uh, for or against veganism, omnivorism, pescatarianism, etc. I mean, I mean, we're all human beings. We all have the same nutrient needs, um, with uh, small variations. You know, it's like uh, I mean, it's like I mean, I mean, think of think of other animals. I mean, people. I mean, you know, to think like, oh yeah, some cats eat meat, but other cats, you know, live off of bananas. No, <laughs> that's just not what happens. It's just like cats. they have a certain. They have a certain f physiology that's designed. So our physiology was molded over tens of millions of years to survive off of what our fellow great apes survived off of, and that's plant foods, right? The hominid divergence, hominoid divergence started 20 million years ago in the Miocene era, where kind of our last common great ape ancestor, we split off, 
And so for the first 90% of our evolution from 20 million years to 2 million years ago, first 18 million years, plants. And then we learned how to sharpen spears. We learned how to mill grains. We learned, we learned how to boil sugar cane. And then all went downhill. Uh, but that's, that's just the last little 10%. Um, uh, but uh, for the first 90% of our evolution, where all of our digestive enzymes, all of our, you know, we lost the ability to, to make vitamin C. Why? Because we, all we were doing was plowing in fruits and leaves all day. So our body just scrapped the DNA that makes vitamin C. Other animals, most other animals actually make DNA. We don't have to. Fruit bats don't have to. Guinea pigs don't have to. Um, uh, they, they, ha they, they have to. Uh, t um, they don't. Um, they have to get vitamin C. They're the only animals that can get scurvy, including us, because they can't make their own. Why can't we make our own? Because we don't need to, because we were designed to eat plants all day, every day. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's, so if you're a human being, you've just got certain physiology. Now, there are rare enzyme deficiencies. So I have a video talking about one in, I think, 20,000 births. People, um, you know, don't have the enzyme that makes carnitine, I believe. And so you'd have to take carnitine supplements every day for the rest of your life. Um, if you didn't eat meat, just because your body makes carnitine, but if you're the one in 20,000 with a genetic meat defect that doesn't make carnitine, okay. In that case, you wouldn't necessarily have to eat meat, but you would have to take a carnitine supplement. Um, but, uh, but with uh, those kind of extremely exotic cases aside, um, you know, we, we all have very similar nutrient needs. Uh, you know, saturated fat, trans fat, sodium, bad for everybody, not just for some people. Fiber, folate, potassium, good for everybody, not just for some people. I mean, um, we, it's hard to get around the biology of it. Yeah, 100% agree. And it's not about surviving anymore, but what makes us thrive. And now in most places we have the luxury, 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 we can go to supermarkets and choose whatever we want. And why not yeah. choose what we are meant to eat, a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah, and boy, we can get food. Look, any time of the year, you can be dead of winter and you can get fresh fresh fruit. You can get, I mean, we live at a time where we can absolutely optimize our health. Yep. Um, and it's just really sad that people aren't taking advantage of the healthy foods that are out there. Eating nice cream all winter long. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, one question about onion and garlic, because I hear many people claiming that it's actually not good. Buddhists don't eat it because of their belief and claim it has it is toxic for the liver and this and that, and it makes people bloated. Is there anything true to that? that um, uh, I mean, garlic breath, that's about the downside. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, no. So you see all my videos on garlic, does amazing things. Um, super healthy. In fact, you can do randomized um, controlled placebo-controlled studies um, because garlic is so potent, you can actually stuff it into a pill, stuff it into a capsule, and pit it head-to-head -head against sugar pills. And so you can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that garlic does have all these amazing properties. I think the only other thing um, I can imagine being a downside is that because it's so um, effective in thinning your blood, you may want to stop garlic consumption a week before elective surgery. So if you're going into surgery, you're going to get cut open on purpose. Um, you, uh, your surgeon may tell you to stop eating garlic a week before, um, so there isn't excessive bleeding during surgery. Interesting. 
Now that veganism is becoming so mainstream, many parents get a baby and they want to feed their baby, their infant, a plant-based diet. Do you have like the most important tips for concerned parents, what they should keep in mind? Absolutely. The number thing is that um, they should be getting breast milk. Number one most important thing. Um, uh, certainly, uh, certainly for infants, but uh, breastfeed as long as possible, as much as possible. That's the best information you can get for feeding any um, uh, small children. But an infant of a vegan mother starts out, uh, who hasn't been supplementing, uh, supplementing starts out, um, can start out critically low and can rapidly develop, develop vitamin B12 deficiency. That's why it's critically important. So everybody, obviously, who's eating a healthy diet needs to take, um, uh, fortify their diet with um, uh, a regular, reliable source of vitamin B12. It's just that much more critically important for pregnant breastfeeding women. I'd also recommend um, pregnant women make sure they get a, a, a source of iodine. If they do take a prenatal, it should have iodine in it, like 150 micrograms, um, at least a few times a week, um, because of uh, concerns about the uh, um, uh, thyroid function in infancy. Um, so basically, it's the, the same kind of the same rules apply, but they're just more important. Um, and so uh, yeah, there's some wonderful books out there. I'd probably recommend uh, Becoming a Vegan by um, uh, Davis and uh, Molina, uh, Brendan Davis Santo Molina, probably the best book out there. Oh, um, uh, um, I believe uh, uh, Reed Mengels has a book on, uh, on uh, vegan pregnancy. She's amazing. Um, anything she's written would be good. Um, you know, and look, uh, Dr. Benjamin Spock, probably the most esteemed pediatrician of all time, um, in the seventh edition of Child and Baby Care, his famous book, uh, the last edition he wrote before he died in his 90s, um, recommended that all children be raised with zero exposure to meat and dairy um, because he saw what was happening to these kids, the childhood obesity epidemic, what the grandparents were dying from. It's an excellent choice. Raise your kids um, with the best chance for a long, healthy life, but critically important to make sure um, things like uh, vitamin B12. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. That's all the questions I have. And thank you so much for taking the time. I hope I see you when you're here in Berlin. And I uh, wish yeah. you a wonderful day. That was Ferdinand Beck talking to me for his Vegains podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you could share with us your stories about reinventing your health through evidence-based nutrition. Go to nutritionfacts.org forward slash testimonials. We may share it on our social media to help inspire others. To see any graphs, charts, graphics, images, or studies mentioned here, please go to the Nutrition Facts podcast landing page. There you'll find all the detailed information you need, plus links to all the sources we cite for each of these topics. For recipes, check out my How Not to Die cookbook. It's beautifully designed with more than 100 recipes for delicious and nutritious meals. And all proceeds I receive from the sales of my books all goes to charity. NutritionFacts.org is a nonprofit, science-based public service where you can sign up for free daily updates on the latest in nutrition research via bite-sized videos and articles. Everything on the website is free. There's no ads, no corporate sponsorship. It's strictly non-commercial. I'm not selling anything. I just put it up as a public service, as a labor of love, as a tribute to my grandmother, whose own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. 
Thanks for listening to Nutrition Facts. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greger.